Hi, this is Damien Christoph from 100 Not Out and The Wellness Guys. Become a change maker in the health industry today. All you need to do is enroll for the functional nutrition course and become an internationally recognized expert on the vitalistic philosophy of food and nutrition with our friends at the Functional Nutrition Academy. Register now and receive a six-week bonus accreditation course providing you with the business tools to start and grow your own business and a whopping $1,000 discount. So don't delay and start your health career today at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash functional. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by someone who's going to talk about a slightly different topic to what we usually talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the environment. We're going to talk a little bit about conservation. And, you know, I was just saying off air that often people, you know, think of conservation and think of environmentalists, and they tend to think more towards a perhaps a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet. But I know, and I know that you know, that many of the people following this paleo lifestyle are doing it because they are inherently very interested in the environment. They're very interested in nature um, and how the body works in a natural way. And, and that's what they're trying to replicate with their paleo lifestyle. So I know many people here are interested in conservation, they're interested in the environment. They want to support conservation and support the environment. And so I've got a man who's come over from Western Australia to my little hometown here in Adelaide. He's moved into the Adelaide Hills, my hometown, in the Adelaide Hills and has reopened one of my absolute favourite places. There's a place in Adelaide Hills called Warrawong Wildlife Sanctuary. It's an absolute little gem in the hills that has been closed for a number of years and this man and his partner and his whole family, in fact, David Cobbold, has come over to save the day. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. You know, I, I saw the post somewhere on social media that Warrawong was opening up and I, I immediately clicked on it and read the story because I was fascinated and I, I was always disappointed that it had closed. You know, I'd taken my kids there a number of times and they loved it and it's just a beautiful little spot in the hills with a great bit of history and a great little story. So let's uh, let's get into it and find out a bit about Warrawong but also a bit about nature and a bit about conservation and the environment and all those sort of things but to start with uh, give us a bit of your background David I understand that you've been involved in other uh, sanctuaries across in Perth or zoos across in Perth as well what's your background yes. and how do you get involved in this kind of stuff uh, it, it, it's a long story like I have never had a direction in life I've always had momentum uh, and having you know, children of my own now that's what you know Narelle and I try to teach them if gone are the days where you leave school you may or may not get some kind of certificate diploma degree and then you just stay in that job for 40 years wait for your gold watch buy a caravan do a lap of Australia and die it's like it just it doesn't happen so I've always been driven by curiosity. Uh, I've done all sorts of things. Like really a lot of what I've done is corporate communication stuff. I'm fascinated with language. Uh, my real field of expertise is semiotics. So that'll give something for your listeners to Google. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's all about, you know, why would uh, somebody who wants to communicate something 
use blue instead of red? Why would they say it with a square instead of a circle? You know, why would they have a a sans serif font instead of serif? Um, so why, that, why do that's people com- use Comic Sans, David? You know, uh, is that how you've typed up your resume? Hence, <laughs> <laughs> going it alone with a radio show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm just interested in that. Um, so I've got a, an arts degree from Curtin University in WA with a double major, film and television and creative writing. Um, through that, I became really interested in intellectual property. So I went to Murdoch University and I got a law degree. Um, and I've since published papers on the semiotic analysis of uh, copyright and trademark law. And I just kind of been bumbling around until I met Norell and she just got me focused and you know just so blessed to now you know have peel zoo in western australia and warrawong sanctuary in south australia um it's a huge responsibility because it's such a fantastic platform to educate so david tell us about peel zoo how long have you been involved in that for well, Narelle basically built the place out of a derelict bird park with her own bare hands so you know that was 12 years ago. Um, we've been together for a bit over seven. Um, and it's just a, a lovely little zoo about an hour south of Perth. Um, you know, very hands-on. Like, we, our catch cries edutainment. Like, you know, you've got to get kids involved. It's got to be interesting. It's got to be fun. And then the information just sinks in. So that that's sort of our approach. At Peel Zoo will be bringing over the same philosophies but with a slightly different business plan for Warrawong. Great. Well, it, it sounds like you've got wildlife going on in the background there, David. There's a, I don't know if there's a squeaky toy or something. <laughs> Whereabouts uh, are you at the zoo at the moment? So um, I am currently in the cafe at Warrawong. Uh, Norelle is sitting next to me and our dog Bear is sitting <laughs> next to her with his squeaky toy. That's what I thought I heard. That's what I thought I heard. All right. So um, tell us about how you came to know about Warrawong Sanctuary because it's a long way from where you were in Peel Zoo. Um, what, what brought it to your attention and why did you decide to get involved in Warrawong? Well, we've been looking at moving Peel Zoo for the last couple of years. You know, we wanted to expand. We wanted to add different dimensions. And, you know, Western Australia is very flat. And, you know, a lot of the area where we are is sort of cattle grazing. So there's not a tree in sight except for the windbreak around the outside of paddocks. Uh, We just couldn't find anywhere to move to. Um, It just so happens that our head zookeeper, Bronte, is an Adelaide girl. So in May of 2016, she came to Adelaide to go to the Australasian Society of Zookeepers Conference and catch up with a mum who still lives down in Glenelg. Uh, When Bronte came back, she told us about Warrawong. So you jump online, you have a look at the photos. Uh, You know, as part of the conversation, we were talking to the vet that we use, Julie. She's also an Adelaide girl, so both she and Bronte did their school camps here. And you sort of think, okay, we've got to go and have a look at this place. Um, And basically, Narelle and I jumped on a plane, came over, fell in love, made an offer. Uh, The offer got accepted, um, and then it took us seven months to scrounge up enough money to actually come good. Um, And, yeah, all of a sudden, 31st of January, we'd sold most of the stuff that we owned. The rest was in a sea container, and we just grabbed the kids, the dog, jumped in the car and drove over. 
Wow. It, it's a massive uh, move and a massive change for you. So what was it about uh, Warrawong, aside from you know, the location, I guess, and a little bit of hills and a little bit more space, what, what do you see in Warrawong that you think uh, you can, where you can make a difference there? Because it's been closed for some time. How long has it been closed for? Just over four years. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It, it, it seems like even longer than that. but um, so It's a what, bit derelict. Yeah, what was it that appealed to you in terms of that and, and the potential of what Warrawong could be? Well, I guess the word potential really encapsulates it. Um, there's, there's potential on so many levels. So from a purely personal agenda, Peel Zoo back in WA is leasehold. Having Warrawong is freehold. So... Um, I'm sure there are a lot of small business people who listen to your program who pay everybody else's superannuation, but their own superannuation is trying to build up the business or, you know, maybe having a family home that they can sell, downsize and, you know, put a bit of cash away um, in a term deposit. So we just thought from a family perspective, this gives us a 20-year plan. It, it looks after our superannuation. It provides the kids with an inheritance. So it, it's as as challenging as it's going to be, it, it's really a good decision for the family. Um, and other than that, when you do your research on the place and Dr. John Wamsley and everything that he did for conservation, it's just... Like, it's such an honour to be in a position to pick up the baton and run with it. Um, you know, we've had dinner with John and Prue on about four different occasions, been round for drinks. They've introduced us to some of the old crew. Um, it's – and, you know, we've said we will be doing things differently and everybody appreciates that because when John had it, it was on 85 acres and it's down to 28 now. Um, so we, we can't quite have the ecosystem that he originally designed – but nevertheless, we can adopt the same principles. We can uh, sing from the same hymn book. Uh, yeah, the place has got potential. And something that we grossly underestimated is just how much the people of South Australia love this place. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely vouch for that bit for you. So uh, tell us a little bit about Dr. John Wamsley because he was a bit of a character. And uh, and so I'd love to hear from your perspective and, and for many people listening who don't know who he is. Um, tell us a bit about him. Uh, well, to start with, John is a lovely man. It's like he is actually nothing like um, the caricature that you might create by, by reading things in the media. So um, he, he was certainly contentious in his day, um, you know, reputed to be running around the neighbourhood in the middle of the night cutting down pine trees um, because, you know, just it, it, anything that's an introduced species causes problems one way or another. Mm. So most famous, of course, for wearing the cat skin hat, um, very controversial and there are people who to this day still hate him um, but he also I think it was in 2003 ended up winning the, the Prime Minister's Environmentalist of the Year award so it, it's a double-edged sword and uh, to, to delve into some contention myself P people forget how disruptive Jesus was you know it's it's not like anybody who starts a movement does so by not rocking the boat yeah. like everything new by definition is pretty much anti-establishment so unfortunately you know john was a martyr for the cause you know he fought the good fight 
he ended up losing, but his legacy lives on. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, losing, I guess, in terms of the sanctuary, but the fact that 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 he has made change and he's shifted consciousness is uh, is a great Very thing. Very much so. And yeah. so, let's talk a little bit about conservation because obviously that's what Warrawong is all about, and that's really why I was keen to get you on the show to talk about it because I think you know conservation obviously is so important. We talk a lot about our paleo lifestyle and you know uh, eating real food and getting back to nature and all of those sort of things, but but really all of those things are only possible if we look after our environment you know we need to have absolutely healthy soil we need to have nature we need to have um you know all of fresh air all of those things are, yep. are what enables a healthy lifestyle to be possible um and, yep. you know if we if we don't work at it if we don't you know if we just allow the status quo to continue i, I don't think we're going to see that our ability to do that uh, maintain you know we, we're going to lose the ability to stay healthy Absolutely, like the interconnectedness of all things. So, you know, if if you want to have a nice sandwich for lunch, it's like have a think about what's in it, have a think about where it came from, and do you really want multinationals controlling that? Do you want people who are profit-driven to be the ones who put the meat in the sandwich, the lettuce in the sandwich, who grow the wheat that gets ground to make your bread um, something that we love about the Adelaide Hills, but even like going down to the showground markets, um, there's a real boutique lifestyle to be had here. There's a lot of artisans who are making beautiful quality produce, growing it themselves, um, you know, organic permaculture principles. Uh, it's, It's a good place if you want that sort of clean living paleo style diet. We love it here. Yeah, it absolutely is. We're very lucky in Adelaide and, and, you know, everything's 10 minutes away, which makes it even easier. So, you know, it's, it's nice, that lifestyle in Adelaide. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the conservation and how yep. that impacts on that then. You know, why do you think uh, we need to be proactive about, conversa- about conservation at the moment? Well, I, I think it's just really important that people have good information so uh, personally, I am not a fan of democracy. I'm more of a benevolent dictator tempered by the occasional assassination kind of guy. Um, d- democracy only works if you have an informed public. And unfortunately, we live in a system that's full of, oh, dare I say, fake news, um, you know, disinformation. So you, know, you lie to people for four years and then you ask them to make a choice. It's like, how on earth does that work? So we think that it's important for, yeah, like mums and dads like Narelle and myself, you know, individuals like you to actually have a voice so that other people can go, you know what, that that sounded logical, that sounded sensible. I, I've had a look and, gee, it, it seems to be evidence. Yeah, I'm going to go that way. Um, so we love the fact that we've got a great platform with Peel Zoo and an even better one with Warrawong so that we can talk about really simple stuff, looking after the environment, respecting nature, knowing and loving Australian native animals. It's, it's just grassroots. You know, it's like just take care of the base of the pyramid and it's the only way you're going to end up having a, a pinnacle. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And, you know, just as you say that, I'm actually just – 
remembering being at Warawang with my son and having him hold, you know, a lizard. Uh, and just that experience for him and his wonder at this amazing lizard that he was holding and, and the conversations that allowed us to have around just nature and life and in the environment and why it's so important to look after the environment for these lizards and how they fit into the ecosystem. And, you know, that whole story can really start from that, that experiential experience of just yeah. getting in touch with nature, can't it? Absolutely. How old's your son? Uh, he's eight years old now, so he would have been probably three or four at the time, I'm guessing. Yep, because we find really even from toddlers, uh, you, you know, without getting into, um, because I simply don't know anything about um, the, the psychology of children, or I did study Piaget, uh, uh, not Piaget, pa- yeah, whatever, Um <laughs> You, you can see the look in their eye. There's a connection. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and look, we also find the same. We get visited a lot uh, by carers who bring in people with various uh, challenges, disabilities. Um, people can often connect with animals better than they can with humans. So for us, yeah, our catch cry is edutainment. Like you've got to make information fun and engaging, like capture the hearts and minds um, because all of a sudden yeah, information just sinks in. Like we don't want to be eco-Nazis. We just, you know, we don't want to go around accusing everybody of destroying the planet. You know, meat is murder. I'm not going to pour a bucket of red paint on myself and run around screaming. Um, what we like to do is to have young families or grandparents doing babysitting during school holidays, having a great, you know, good value family day out and going away with a couple of messages. You know, because even if it's just something about becoming a better pet owner at home, it's like, great, that'll do. Yeah. You know, it's like we can't change the world overnight, but, you know, we can lay some bricks and just keep going and going and going. So what do you think are the most important messages that we need to get across to, I guess not just the younger generation, but the older generation as well in terms of conservation? Look, I, I think it comes back to some very, very, very simple principles. Um, you know, just the other day I was talking to a group of school teachers and saying, think global, act local. You know, I, I don't know where that little aphorism has gone to, but please let's reintroduce it because that's what it's all about. You know, you you might not necessarily be able to um, uh, help in the rewilding of Yellowstone National Parks with wolves, but you can turn the light off when you leave the room. You know, and, and that's enough. You know, like don't uh, – I, I remember once I was talking to a, a guy that I was sharing a house with um, who was a really good triathlete. Like you uh, would love him, just a dot size, crosses T's, just a very, very clean, very um, ethical individual. And um, he was talking about the Bustleton Ironman. So – um, the 3.8-kilometre swim, the 180-kilometre bike ride, the 42-kilometre run, and, yeah, he's, he's done one. I was thinking, oh, you've got to be kidding. You know, how, how, do you, how do you do that? Like, at the end, 42 kilometres, he just goes, yeah, but there's a drink station every kilometre. So <laughs> all, all you need to do is run one kilometre and then have a think about it if you're up to it run one more kilometre. So it's like, don't be daunted by the big picture. 
yeah. just put one foot in front of the other one, you have already moved. And what do you think are the biggest barriers to enhancing conservation and, and to looking after the environment in Australia, I guess, particularly, but I guess around the world at the moment? Uh, okay, I have a love-hate relationship with democracy. Um, my, my intense dislike is really based on the information and the government which helps to control it. My love of democracy is people power. You know, like ultimately we are actually in charge um, and I find that like really empowering. Um, so I actually think that the single biggest obstacle that we face is ourselves. We, we've got to take it seriously. You know, we, we can't just sort of think, oh, you know, I, I'm happy, I'm middle class, I work nine to five, I've got a little dinghy and I can go fishing on the weekend. You know, conservation is the government's responsibility. You know, conservation is a big issue and, you know, only a government can look after it. It's like, it's just not the case. And really, have a look at the politicians. Do you really trust them to do anything properly? <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no. Um, and uh, so, you know, obviously what you're saying is, you know, it's about taking personal responsibility to, for this. And, yep. and I guess maybe, I, I don't know what the barrier to that is, but, but perhaps it's the fact that, you know, people are very, uh, you know, we have very high stress lives nowadays and we tend to get, as a result of that, get quite insular and, and often, uh, it le often leads to more short-term thinking where people are thinking about how they can survive yep. today or next week or this year. Uh, but, but I think it's about having that ability to sit back and say, um, you know, what about what about the bigger picture? What about my legacy? What about my grandkids or my grandkids' grandkids? You know, what are we yep. gonna, what are we going to leave for them? You know, because I think at the end of the day, you know, people aren't going to be, you know, when you're on your deathbed at the end of the world, you know, at the end of your yeah. life, you're not going to sit there and think, I'm glad I've got an extra ten bucks in the bank. But you're probably going to sit there and think, gee, I'm glad I made a difference to the world for my grandkids. You know, that, that seems like the bigger picture we need to have in terms of this whole conservation discussion. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and as I said at the top of your show, like I've bounced around all over the place. You know, I've been unemployed. I've had five cents in my um, bank balance. Um, it, it's never really mattered to me because I've been contemplating my navel trying to figure out what life is and why I'm here. Um, so a, a friend of mine back in Tasmania who's been an accountant for 30 years recently said to me, you've had a colourful life. Um, I'm not sure if it was a compliment. Um, <laughs> but, hey, look at me now. And it's something that Narelle and I try to teach our kids. So we were talking to our son, Josh, who's 18 the other day. Being, okay, what, what do you want your reputation to be? You know, when you look in the mirror... Who is it that you want to see? And he came up with one word, which was, I would like to be kind. It's like, great. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you're Christian, Muslim, Hindu, uh, Solopsis, Zoroastrian. It's like, what matters is that you actually have some kind of belief system, some kind of philosophy, and you use that to filter the decisions that you make. Because... One way or another, every second of every minute of every hour, you are actually making decisions. Put them through a filter. You know, is what I am about to do going to mean that I can look in the mirror and see a kind person? 
And if it's not, don't do it. You know, think of another way. Like, because I tell you what, like Norella and I go to bed as very, very happy people, even though, you know, we don't have a huge amount of money. With Warrawong, we're now massively in debt. But we're happy with who we are. We're happy that we try. And, and you know, even effort, you don't have to succeed. There's only two, two types of failure, not trying or giving up. But otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a Hawthorne supporter. Um, so I, I kind of like it when Alistair Clarkson talks about process. It's yeah. like res- results take care of themselves, focus on the process. Yeah. So let's talk about that process then because I, I reckon there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast thinking, I get it, I agree, you know, I want to do something for the environment, I'm, I'm interested in conservation, but, but what, do I, what does that look like? Like what, do, what can I tangibly do to make a difference? Um, what would be some you know, three or five tips you've got for people that they can tangibly do at home day to day that's actually going to make a difference to the environment? Well, as I said, you know, like think global, act local, turn the light off when you leave the room. Yeah, I think we're actually all pretty familiar with that sort of stuff. Um, There are things like, you know, walking to the shop on Saturday morning to get a newspaper rather than driving. You know, again, that's pretty simple stuff. So I think it's like find a philosophy, like look in the mirror talk to yourself like nobody else's opinion matters like nobody can control you like if you want to change lanes without indicating by crikey you're going to so forget about like the the false laws that surround it start looking for some kind of philosophy where you can prove to yourself that you are who you want to be and and then just make decisions that make sense to you you know i think that everything will fall into place that way. And by being yourself, you allow other people to have a real and honest relationship with you because they now know who you are. And all of a sudden there's two of you and then there's three of you and then there's four of you. There's a community, there's a movement. So Mm. I, I just think, you know, contemplate your navel, be true to yourself. Yeah. I love that answer, you know, and it very much reminds me of, uh, you know, Simon Sinek and his start with why, you know, this idea that, you know, you you can, you could have given an answer and said, well, here's, you know, here's a tangible step you can do, but if people just do the tangible step, then it's just that one thing, whereas if, yeah. you, if you connect with your why and you allow it to influence every decision you make every day, then that's likely to have a much greater influence on, on the environment and on your life uh, as opposed to one simple tactic. You know, it's an overarching strategy as opposed to a single tactic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that um, ultimately we all want to be happy, but we live in a world where we are told that living in this suburb will make you happy. You know, driving this brand of vehicle will make you happy. You know, consuming everything you possibly can will make you happy. And yet it doesn't. And we see the evidence of that day after day after day. You know, all of these um, rich suicidal people. So, so that sort of mindless consumerism doesn't work. So for us, it's really about, you know, what is life? Why are we here? You know, personally, I don't care whether it's Big Bang or creation um, because neither of those gives me a why. 
you know, the why for me. And I should also say, look, I'm adopted, so I'm actually very, very lucky that this way of thinking is something that I have had to develop because I can't look around me and say I'm a chip off the old block. It's like I don't know what the old block is. I don't know who he is, where he is. So I've kind of had to think, well, okay, I've I've been raised in a in a lovely middle class um, family. I've had a good education, but really between the ages of fifteen and twenty five, uh, I was miserable. Um, I, I needed to have a good look at myself and and try and figure out my own paths. You know, something that would make me happy. Yeah, that's great. I, I love this chat. This is going a totally different direction to what I expected it to, but I'm really enjoying it, David. It's great. But it's a lot a, to do with paleo. It's like it's, paleo isn't a diet; it's a belief system. Exactly. It's a, it's a way of thinking, you know, yep. and, and it fits in perfectly with everything you're saying. Is that you know when you have that way of thinking, and and for me, it, it does start from uh, a very naturalist naturalist perspective where you know yeah. I, I love nature i was just fascinated by nature and fascinated oh, by the delicious, environment and how things worked and and when i looked at nature and i realized that well you know you didn't really make the panda bear healthy by sticking him in the zoo and not allowing him to move and you know feeding him western food you know you made him healthy by trying to as best you could replicate his natural environment because that's what made him thrive you know and and having people around him and having you know, exercise and having his natural foods and you know that always made sense to me and, and so you know applying that same principle to food and exercise is what really led me to a paleo lifestyle so for me it's all one and the same thing you know I can't separate my health philosophy from my environmentalist philosophy because for me they're exactly the same it's about yeah. creating the environment in which that organism is designed to thrive um, and that's why I love nature is why I love Warawong. I think it's a great example of that. Yeah. Oh, look, I can't help but think that if the RSPCA went into any office block in the CBD, they would shut it down because yeah. people are living in inhumane conditions. Like, we, we won't allow it for battery hens, but we will for battery humans. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, and you hear people talk about, you know, if, if even if you talk about feeding kids, you know, if we looked at the average diet that people feed to their kids and applied that to an animal, uh, we'd probably say the similar things and say, well, that, that's not nourishing. You can't feed them that. You know, you, you need to give them real food. And Look, some, uh, it's fascinating. Sorry, go on. No, no, I think it just talks of a, a disconnect where, um, you yeah. know, we, we look at nature as out there and we look at us as humans as something different. You know, we think that we're separate to that. We're really, we are one part of that same ecosystem. Um, yeah, I... I'd never read it, but I used to love the title of the book, The Naked Ape. <laughs> yeah, it's Sounds like, y y yeah, you're just a mammal to me. You're just a primate. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of the problems that we have with religion in that it creates separation between us and nature. It's like so somehow we're not animals. We're, we're made in the shape of a god, and, and therefore we're different. It's like we're not. And you know, even if that's true, it, it's a god with a physical manifestation. You know, it's a god with organs, with skin, with flesh. Like all of those things need to be nurtured. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and if there is a god, then the concept that you know he put humans above all others. I, I think he made all the animals, didn't? Like you know, he, he made all of it yeah. to be there and to coexist together. I would think. But 
Um, anyway, that's probably getting off topic again. But let's talk <laughs> back to Warrawong. Let's talk about Warrawong yeah. because I would love to see Warrawong get back to its former glory and to support it and to help it thrive. So, and I'm sure lots of people listening thinking, hey, this guy sounds like a pretty good bloke. I reckon he's going to do some good stuff. And I do want to do something tangible to support the environment and to support conservation. Maybe Warrawong is a way I could help out. So tell us about what people can do to help, David. Okay, I'm going to pick up on a couple of things you've said there and turn them into a proposal. Great. Um, You've got an eight-year-old son and obviously you've got a way of thinking with paleo and it's the sort of thing that you would want to pass on to your son. But if you expand that, pass on to children. Um, You know, you've mentioned about, um, you know, diet of animals and that's something that we will spend hour and hour after hour working on with regards to research so that we have the best diet for animals in our care. So back in Western Australia, yeah, unfortunately, before we left, we were working on a program and it, it comes back to edutainment where we look at animals, we look at what they eat and we turn it into a kid's program for diet and exercise so that we talk about how important it is for a kangaroo to eat certain foods. And if, if we get the children to understand that for the kangaroo, because they love the kangaroo, it's emble- em- emblemic, like they see it everywhere, um, then we transfer their understanding of that for something that they love into an understanding of that and loving themselves. Um, you know, even doing things like with the exercise, like jump like a kangaroo. So then, you know, you can talk about sort of the the need to eat well so that you are able to move properly because you've got the energy. So, um, you know, Narelle and I would love to be able to work with you to construct that sort of program. Like we know we're going to have a lot of school groups coming through yeah. here. We've already got schools ringing us sort of saying, how can we help? Um, it's like, brilliant. Um, how can Warrawong and Dr. Brett Hill work together to make a difference in the lives of children? I love it. I'm on board. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Easy as that. Yeah, well, that sounds brilliant. That's, that fits in with, you know, my, some of my absolute passions. I'm so passionate about kids and kids' health. Yep. You know, I've, I've written an ebook actually called um, Nourish Without Nagging, which is all about how to get your kids okay. to eat healthy. And, and it's all about getting them on board, getting them to see why they would want to eat healthy. And it fits in perfectly with that sort of philosophy you're talking about. So You've already written your half of the syllabus. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's all there. Nice. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. Um, I'm totally on board. I'm involved, David. I, I, I'd love to support Warrawong, really as I said, it. and I think it's brilliant. Um, and I guess for everyone else, they can obviously head to your website, which is warrawongws.com.au. Um, now, you mentioned that they can become uh, members of sorts of Warrawong. Um, there's a, there's a yeah. program there. Okay, so to, to back that up a little bit, we, we had a look at the headlines of, you know, WA couple saves Warrawong, um, and then we had a look at our bank balance, and we thought, no, that's not quite true. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to be the people of South Australia that save Warrawong, um, and, yeah, you know, I believe that they will do it because they've lost it once, and you don't yep. know what you've got till it's gone. So, okay, what was life like without Warrawong? Do you ever want that to happen again? 
So we've created a system on the website, which we are calling our frequent fauna points. So it, it gives people a way of earning points by, you know, like connecting with us, inviting their friends, sharing posts. And, you know, we'll put surveys up there and we'll do competitions and you'll be able to rack up points that when we open, you can cash in for like a free night of accommodation or 50% off meals in the cafe. Uh, you know, it's our way of supporting our supporters. Um, at the moment, we're running... <laughs> There goes Bear. <laughs> He's a funny little dog. Um, so sh uh, Maltese Shih Tzu Blue Heel across, like a beautiful size because he's a sort of a big woolly lap, uh, lap dog. Um, but he does get a little nervous every now and then. He's got a little dog complex. Um, so, yeah, look, basically it's, um, just go to the website, connect with us, and make sure... <laughs> We, we will figure out how to reward you for looking after the sanctuary. <laughs> well, what, a, what an appropriate way to end, I think, a podcast all about the, the environment and nature and animals and, uh, and all those sort of things. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. Check out Warrawong. If you haven't heard of it, go to the website. Um, it's worth having a look at. Um, make sure, you know, jump on board as an ambassador. Uh, make sure when it opens up, support it you know go along spend some money in the cafe you know go and see the animals share some amazing experiences as i said you know i've got fond memories from my son from four or five years ago uh, that i can just remember and and remember the experience and i know that if i spoke to tom he would actually remember the same experience too because he's a great memory and uh, and he loves nature and he loves the environment and it's it's experiences like that that help shape his understanding of nature and the world around him but as he said also his understanding of his own body and why he wants to thrive you know nourish and help his own body thrive as well so thanks for coming on board david it's been an absolute pleasure i really appreciate your interest in what we do and i can tell you we're very interested in what you do great uh, it's going to be fun i can see some cool stuff happening here, david um, <laughs> looking forward to it so for everyone else until next week join the conversation on facebook Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.